Texas won 37 to 10 on Saturday against Rice. But the question is, how would you grade Quinn Ewer's performance after one game on Saturday? You are locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are discussing Quinn Ewers, quarterback one, his performance on Saturday against Rice. In the second segment, some players that need to step up ahead of Saturday's heavyweight matchup against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And in the last segment, the 2023 class stepped up big in a big way in their debut. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, so we're watching the game on Saturday as a family, right, as Texas fans, Longhorn Nation. And I'm on Twitter, or X as always, probably too much. And it didn't seem like Texas fans were satisfied with their performance. I think that most Texas fans, and rightfully so, thought that we would come out and just punch Rice in the mouth for 60 minutes. I think we thought damn near the whole roster would play, right, and we would get out of there fairly easily. And that was not the case, especially in the first half. And so I feel like even though we won by 27 points, a lot of Texas fans were not satisfied with that performance, and rightfully so. Now we do have to take a moment and be grateful because, as we saw this weekend, Things could have been way worse, right? You could have been Texas Tech, who lost to Wyoming, right? You could have been Baylor, who lost to Texas State. Shout out to one of my alma maters, right? Or you could have been Clemson last night, who I had in the college football playoff lose to Duke by 21 points, right? So things could have been way worse for the Texas Longhorns, who went out there and disappointingly beat Rice by 27 points, right? But I understand fans' criticism. And I understand the fans' concern because for nine months, we have heard how good this Texas football team should be. And it felt like we only saw that from one side of the ball. For nine months, we've heard that this is year three under Steve Sarkeesian. He's got his team. He's got his guys. They should run through the Big 12. They should go 11-1 and or 10-2 and and win the Big 12 championship. There's not another team in this conference that can match the talent level of the University of Texas. And then you see the product on the field on Saturday, and it felt like same old, same old. For nine months, we've heard about this offense and how it may rival the 2020 Alabama team that went undefeated, and it looked like they were putting 40 on everybody because of what we had in our wide receiver room, because of what we have in our tight end room, because what we have in our running back room, the fact that we brought back all five starters on the offensive line and have great depth behind it. And the offensive performance on Saturday didn't match that. And we've heard all offseason for nine months about how Quinn Ewers is locked in. He's carrying himself like a professional. He cut his hair. He lost 20 pounds. He's stepping up as a leader. This is the best version of Quinn Ewers we have ever seen. And on Saturday, it looked like same old, same old. And so we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers' performance because that was a hot topic on Twitter or X. And I want to start or preface this by saying that Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. If there's any argument that Quinn Ewers is not a good quarterback, I can't entertain it. We've seen good on tape since the moment he took the field, right? Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But Casey Thompson was good. Hudson Carr was good. <laughs> you brought in Quinn Ewers because he was supposed to be special. 
You brought in Quinn Ewers to be elite. You brought in Quinn Ewers to take this program, this football team, this university to another level, a level that they've been dodging for the last decade, but a level that the University of Texas is absolutely supposed to be on year in and year out. You brought Quinn Ewers in to take this program to that level. And we just haven't seen it yet from Quinn Ewers. And we expected after a long offseason for him to come out guns ablazing. And that was not the case on Saturday. And so, like I said, there's no doubt in my mind that Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. But Texas has had good quarterbacks. It's been a while since we've had a great elite or special quarterback. And that's what Quinn Ewers was advertised as. I was told that Quinn Ewers is one of the three highest graded players ever. And so you can't blame people for expecting special, elite, generational when Quinn Ewers steps on the field. And outside of four quarters, I'm not sure we've really seen that at the University of Texas. Yes, he was special in the first quarter against Alabama. And he's almost gotten the benefit of the doubt or gotten more praise because he got hurt. Because we all just assumed that he was going to keep taxing Bama the same way for four quarters. We just keep assuming that Nick Saban, maybe the greatest coach ever, wasn't going to adjust and was just going to let Quinn Ewers throw a party on him for four quarters. And maybe he was going to, you know, Tennessee did it last year. I don't know. And Texas fans have the benefit of not knowing. Right. But that was one quarter. Then he comes back after the injury and he's special against Oklahoma. He's making throws that players in college football certainly can't make. He's making throws that people in the NFL can't make. And albeit against the worst Oklahoma team I've ever seen, probably in my lifetime, he was special. But the problem with Quinn Ewers is, do you see consistently special on tape? Do you see consistently great on tape? Or do you see a good quarterback that has moments? Because that's what I see. And we're now 11 games or 10 games, however you want to look at it, into the Quinn Ewers experience. And the question I have for you is, how long does it take for you to see special? Because I remember Caleb Williams coming off the bench in the Red River shootout. And leading Oklahoma to the biggest comeback in that rivalry's history. I remember Tua Tungavailoa coming in in the national championship game as a true freshman and winning the natty for Alabama. I remember Trevor Lawrence replacing Kelly Bryant as a true freshman and leading Clemson to a national championship game. Bryce Young, you saw it from day one. Mac Jones sat on the bench for a while, but you saw it from day one. C.J. Stroud, you saw it from day one. Even if there were growing pains, even if there were games where you felt like, oh, okay, they weren't at their best. You saw special from day one. And 11 games into the Quinn Ewers experience, all I can say is he's a good quarterback. And yes, he was dealing with a lot of problems on Saturday. The offensive line wasn't great, especially in the interior. Like I said, maybe the receivers weren't getting the separation you expected against Rice. And the running game wasn't great. But if Quinn Ewers is special, if Quinn Ewers is elite, then everything around him shouldn't have to be perfect for him to perform at a high level. And it just like feels like now we're at the point where Quinn Ewers is good and we expect him to be good, but we feel like everything around him has to be perfect for him to be great. And that's not indicative of what I was told Quinn Ewers was in high school. We have not seen South Lake Carroll, Quinn Ewers, very much at all since he took over at the University of Texas. We have not seen one of the three highest graded recruits of all time consistently since he's been at the University of Texas. And so on Saturday, I thought he was good. And I thought that there were things around him that weren't perfect. 
But if 11 games into the Quinn Ewers experience, we need everything around him to be perfect for him to be special, then I'm just not so sure that Quinn Ewers is the quarterback that we thought he was. And like I said, he is a good quarterback. You can win games with Quinn Ewers, but we expected him to be special, to be elite, to be generational, to be a program changer. And 11 games in, have you seen that? I'm not giving up on Quinn Ewers. I'm a Texas fan. Of course I love Quinn Ewers. I want him to go out there and ball out and win the Heisman. And I'm expecting him to play really well against Alabama because I think he's a gamer. And I saw it last year in person. But you can't tell me you've seen consistently good or great from Quinn Ewers up until this point. And maybe it's not his fault, right? He didn't rank himself. But those are the expectations. And every quarterback I mentioned earlier was not graded as high as Quinn Ewers. And you saw special instantly. And 11 games in, I don't know if Quinn Ewers is special or he's just a good quarterback. And so if I'm grading his performance on Saturday, I give him a C plus, a B minus because I thought he was good. But I was expecting Quinn Ewers to be great, especially against Rice. And when I look at it, he was, I think, you know, 19 of 30. He had a solid performance. But there were five throws that I counted. He missed more, but there were five throws I counted that were strictly on Quinn Ewers. And I think any special quarterback makes these plays. The first play I'm mentioning, I would show the clips, but I'm trying to make some money from this episode. The first play I'm mentioning, 445 left in the first quarter, clean pocket, right? Xavier Worthy wide open. The ball hits the defender in the back. Xavier Worthy is open by three yards. You got to make that throw. If you're special, if you're elite, if you're one of the highest graded quarterbacks or recruits ever. The second play, 801 left in the second quarter. Quinn misses JT Sanders a mile high on a ball that shouldn't have been thrown anyway because it probably would have been an interception while either Jonathan Brooks or Jaden Blue was running wide open in the flat. Got to make that throw. The third play, 151 left in the second quarter. Clean pocket. We keep talking about how bad the offensive line was. I went back and watched it. Clean pocket. Xavier Worthy is open once again by at least three yards, beating his defender down the sideline. Quinn throws it out of bounds. 235 left in the third quarter. Defender barely down on him. I'll give you that. But the defender was still two, three yards away. Quinn panics and jumps to throw a deep ball to A.D. Mitchell, who was open by three to four yards. And he misses him and underthrows it badly. A great quarterback or a special quarterback would have stood in there, took that hit, and threw that ball for a touchdown. Or would have sidestepped, made that defender miss, stepped up in the pocket, and threw that ball for a touchdown. Instead, Quinn Ewers panicked, jumped, and missed the throw. And then on the first fourth down, JT Sanders probably should have caught this ball, but it was a nice play designed by Steve Sarkeesian. JT Sanders is wide open on the rollout, and Quinn Ewers damn near throws the ball in the dirt. JT Sanders has to go to the ground to get it. He catches it, but then drops it, right? He should have caught that ball, but also, why did Quinn Ewers not put the ball between the numbers to pick up an easy fourth and two, right? So, like I said, you know, I think Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. I think he is certainly a good quarterback. But Texas has had good quarterbacks, and we expected Quinn Ewers to be elite. We expected Quinn Ewers to be special. And 11 games in, all I can say is Quinn Ewers has been good for this Texas football team. And how long does it take to see special? I'm not sure. But 11 games in, we just haven't seen it from Quinn Ewers. And hopefully that changes on Saturday against Alabama. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're talking about five players that need to step up if Texas wants to leave Tuscaloosa with a win. This episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing 
as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches, so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion, golf, date, evening, out, pool, workout, lounging, or work. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water ball water bottle at checkout you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you all right you know i hate i had to do that about quinn ewers i'm a texas fan i love quinn ewers i think he's gonna ball out on saturday i'm hoping right i'm hoping we see special elite and i know there's gonna be some people in the comments that think i've given up on quinn ewers or i'm being too harsh on him i'm just responding to what i see on the tape you know that's it if you disagree with me that's perfectly fine right i would like to know what you see on the tape i just haven't seen after 11 games i haven't seen enough special or elite based on quinn ewers ranking and like i said that's not his fault he didn't rank himself but you know you got to perform based on your expectations all right I'm done piling on Quinn Ewers, at least for right now. We're talking about five players that, based on what we saw in the Rice game, need to step up if Texas has a chance to win uh, against Alabama on Saturday. You know, I think it's going to be a really tough matchup, one of the biggest games of the year. Um, that's going to be a different environment, you know, playing on the road in Tuscaloosa uh, in Bryant-Denny. And hopefully Steve Sarkeesian, who's played a lot of games there, some big games, you know, a lot of them during COVID, but nonetheless, some big games there. Uh, hopefully he has his team ready to play, you know, and ready to drown out the noise and go out there and be the best team on the field for 60 minutes. Right. So the players that need to step up for that to happen is DJ Campbell. Right. I'm not going to, uh, you know, just harp on the offensive line too much, but we saw it. Right. Rice was giving our interior offensive line, just our offensive line as a whole problems. Right. And two plus two doesn't always equal four. But you would assume that if Rice could give our offensive line those problems, then Alabama and Nick Saban have to be licking their chops, right? So I thought that every offensive lineman that started or played could have been a little bit better, right? I just think that the unit wasn't good as a whole. And when there's a unit of five people, and I'm getting a phone call, it's throwing me off. When there's a unit of five people, you know, that uh, are working together in cohesion, I can't single one person out and say, okay, he was bad, but the rest of them were good, right? So they all need to be better. But DJ Campbell specifically, there were plays where he committed penalties and there were a lot of plays in the passing game where it seemed like he was just getting pushed back. Right. It seemed like the Rice defenders, as strong as DJ Campbell is, were getting the best of him. Right. And it felt like DJ Campbell was somebody that they could isolate and attack on that offensive line. And like I said, two plus two doesn't always equal four. But if Rice did it. I would assume Bama can do it, too. So he's going to have to be a lot better on Saturday if Texas wants to get a push in the run game, be able to throw the ball downfield and hopefully execute at this point and win this game on Saturday. David Bender, you know, I thought that he was really good around the line of scrimmage and making plays, you know, in the backfield. But there was one play in particular where he got lost in coverage and gave up a 20 to 30 yard pass. And you have to believe that, you know, the new offensive coordinator at Alabama and Jalen Milrow are seeing that. And if David Bender is going to be on the field and if you're only going to use Anthony Hill as a pass rusher, right, then they're going to look for mismatches. They're going to look for weaknesses in this defense. And based on what they saw against Rice, I would imagine that they're going to try to isolate David Bender in coverage and use that to their advantage. Right. So David Bender is going to have to be better than he was on Saturday against Rice. Like I said, I thought that he was very good coming downhill and making those plays around the line of scrimmage. But if he ends up in coverage against a Bama running back, tight end, or wide receiver, hopefully not, right, will he be able to hold his own? Because based on what I saw when I rewatched the game, 
Alabama's seeing that too. And at some point during the game, they're going to go at David Bender and he's going to have to be better than he was on Saturday against Rice. Jonathan Brooks, you know, I think that he was, he played well on Saturday. The reason that he's on this list is because I think that you're not going to be able to go into Tuscaloosa, Alabama and win a game one dimensional. Now it seemed like we were on the verge of doing that last year, right? When Bijan just simply could not get a push in the running game or Roshan Johnson, but Quinn Ewers had 134 yards in the first quarter. Maybe that can be the formula on Saturday, right? But without Bijan and, you know, without Roshan Johnson, you're going to need Jonathan Brooks to step up, especially if Cedric Baxter cannot play. And I think if Jonathan Brooks can have a good game running the ball. That's going to take so much pressure off of Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, and this offense, right? You don't want Quinn Ewers on Saturday to have to play hero ball. You don't want Quinn Ewers on Saturday to have to win this game by himself, right? Or the passing game to have to win this game by themselves. You want to be able to attack this Bama defense with the run and the pass. Also, Jonathan Brooks is going to have to be better in the passing game. We saw that touchdown or potential touchdown that he dropped, right? And so he's just going to have to be better overall. But I think if Jonathan Brooks can have a dominant performance, it's going to be tough, you know, with our offensive line and the way that that Bama defense, you know, certainly is capable of playing. Then, like I said, I think that takes a ton of pressure off Quinn Ewers and gives you a way better chance to win. JT Sanders, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Quinn Ewers. I feel like JT Sanders, we talk about him all the time as being, you know, the second or third best, you know, uh, uh, not quarterback, tight end in college football. But when I look at Brock Bowers, it shows up every week on tape, jumps off the screen every week, right? And it's like with JT Sanders, it feels like it happens every fourth or fifth game, right? On Saturday, where was his impact? He had the 44-yard touchdown where Rice, it seemed like, blitzed everybody and just left him wide open, right? Like, they were just at that point, like, let's just send the house and see what happens, right? And then, of course, Quinn Ewers was just like, oh, JT Sanders, the second or third best tight end in the country, is right there wide open. Let me throw it to him for 44 yards, right? He also had to play in the end zone where uh, Jordan Whittington's defender kind of knocked it, the ball out of his hand where it looked like he was going to make a spectacular kind of one-handed catch. So maybe he catches that. But he had two catches for 44 yards. So he had a 44-yard touchdown in which he wasn't covered at all and then another catch for zero yards. And it just feels like too often when we talk about JT Sanders possibly being the best tight end in University of Texas history or at least having that potential, maybe the most athletic tight end we've ever had, maybe the best physical specimen we've ever had at that position, it just doesn't feel like he should be dominating every three to four games. But that's what we've gotten from JT Sanders since the beginning of last year. And that could be on Steve Sarkeesian. That could be on Quinn Ewers. But I have to put some blame on the five-star prospect himself, right? Two catches for 44 yards, and one of those catches was wide open, right? We should see JT Sanders dominating on the field more often. And I know he has a ton of competition in the wide receiver room and the running back room. But if JT Sanders is who we think he is, then he should be a mismatch problem and should be giving defenses hell week in and week out. And like I said, it just feels like we see it every third or fourth game. If we're going to beat Alabama on Saturday, JT Sanders, the five star has to show up on Saturday as well. And then the fifth one is Quinn Ewers. You know, I talked about him enough in the first segment. He just has to be better. And, and I think that, you know, this is the type of game, you know, that is make or break for Quinn Ewers, right? I think if he can go in there and play with confidence and beat a tough team in Alabama on the road, that is the type of game that could propel him for the rest of the season. And we may see the best version of Quinn Ewers after that. It's going to take special elite or generational on Saturday to beat this Alabama defense. So, like I said, I talked about Quinn Ewers enough in the first quarter. You know, he's my favorite quarterback on my favorite football team. I don't want to talk about him too much. I still have faith in him. But he absolutely has to be better this Saturday than he was on Saturday against Rice for us to win this game. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're talking about the 2023 class who made a big debut in a big way. 
Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything. From spreads to player props and more. You can bet on everything, excuse me, from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. Every time I think I'm tech savvy, I do something crazy like that, right? All right, we're getting out of here talking about the 2023 class. And I've said that this 2023 class is special, just top to bottom. One of the best classes I've ever seen. If it wasn't for Georgia and Alabama pulling in almost damn near, you know, only five stars and four stars to their recruiting classes, Texas would have had a real chance to go number one. I believe probably at the top, if you compare the top of our class to the top of those two classes, it's probably about the same, right? Where they get us is, you know, we bring in seven, eight, three stars. And like I said, their whole class is blue chip players, right? But Alabama and Georgia has had the success where you can bring in those type of recruiting classes. And of course, you know, Texas is hoping that they have that success or similar success in the future. And I think that the 2023 class will be, you know, one of the biggest reasons that Texas gets back on that level. Because when you look at these players, you just see a bunch of future players that will be playing on Sunday, like special players. Right. And the headliner of the class was Arch Manning. And I thought that we might get, a, you know, an opportunity to see him on Saturday, but like I said, the offense, it just didn't dominate enough for us to get to that point, right? Quinn Ewers had to play pretty much the whole game. And then I think Malik Murphy got in for maybe two or three drives, but you know, the offense didn't do anything of note and we just didn't get to see Arch Manning. And now at this point, you know, the way we played against Rice, Wyoming just beat Texas Tech, you know, teams in the, the big 12 are going to give us their best shot. I'm not sure if we'll see Arch Manning at all this year, right? You know, especially now that we know and confirm that Malik Murphy is quarterback too, but I expect when we see Arch Manning on the field, he'll be special. Cedric Baxter, you know, it was a surprise to a lot of people that he got the start, but he did. And, you know, I still think that Jonathan Brooks is better than him at this point, but you can see why Cedric Baxter was the number one running back in the country and why I think he'll submit his name as one of the greats to play that position at the University of Texas. And we know that's a long history of really good players. He had five carries for 38 yards. It was tough sledding at first. His first four carries went for six yards total. But he had a really nice 32-yard run. Unfortunately, he got hurt on. But he ran it, you know, up the middle, made one cut, cut back to the outside, and took the, you know, took the run for 32 yards. So, like I said, it was tough sledding at first, but you saw why Cedric Baxter will be a special player at the University of Texas. Jonte Cook only played, I think, uh, with Malik Murphy, but he came in and had two catches for 26 yards, and we saw the same explosive player that we saw at DeSoto. And when he gets a bigger role in this offense, I expect to see fireworks from Jonte Cook. Malik Muhammad, we heard how dominant he was at that corner position in fall camp. He was so dominant that we thought he might start as a true freshman. He was that good, right? And he came in in his first game and was just special. We talk about how this defense played at least 25 plays, right? Like they were just rotating players in and there was no drop off that's because you can put a true freshman in like Malik Muhammad and from day one in his first ever college game I don't care if it's Rice or not right from day one he stepped on the field and you said oh he's going to be a great corner at the University of Texas five tackles and one pass deflection right and he had one 
really good tackle on a screenplay where he came up and hit him. You know what I mean? Like a safety. No, that's a corner. That's Malik Muhammad from South Oak Cliff, two-time state champion at South Oak Cliff. Put some respect on his name, a really good player. And if we weren't loaded in that room, he probably could have started as a true freshman. But I think the next two years in the SEC, he'll be, he'll be one of the best corners in the country. Derek Williams, one of my favorite players on the team, uh, definitely one of my favorite true freshmen on the team. I think he might be the most underrated player from this 2023 class or maybe just the most under talked about player, you know, from the 2023 class. Can't say any of them are underrated. They only played one game, uh, but he was in a lot. You know, Jaron Thompson didn't play the first quarter uh, for disciplinary reasons. So maybe Derek Williams played a little bit more because of that. But he had three tackles and one pass deflection. Right. So he's coming down, making tackles, but also making plays in the passing game. I think he'll be a really good safety for us over the next three years, hopefully four. And you had Anthony Hill and Leona LaFowle. Anthony Hill was used a lot on third downs as a pass rusher off the edge. And you saw that explosiveness there, even though he didn't get a sack, definitely put uh, some pressure on JT Daniels. And he also had a tackle in Leona LaFowle, the same thing. You know, we really have uh, really good depth at that linebacker position, and you'll probably see them a little bit more over the next few weeks with Mo Blackwell's injury. But he came in and had a tackle as well. So, you know, outside of Leonga LaFowle, these are the top players in your 2023 class outside of Arch Manning um, as well. But I think that entire class has a chance to be really special, make an impact at the University of Texas, and hopefully, you know, this year you know, puts Texas back on the map and puts Texas back at the top of college football. And if they can do that, then this 2023 class will certainly be the class that sustains that success in the future. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have talked enough about Rice, but we play Bama on Saturday and on Locked On Longhorns starting tomorrow. We're going to get you ready for the Bama game. Hook them and peace.